Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another very special episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and we are now in week four of the college football season. So on this episode, I will recap week three, and then I'll preview week four. We'll uh, talk about some uh, some other topics within college football, but I'm excited to have another very special podcast for you all today to listen to and enjoy and to get you ready for week four action within college football. This week, we have the addition of the SEC Conference. So now we have three Power Five conferences playing football as of this week. Pretty soon here, we'll have the Big Ten starting action later in October. And then I'm sure we'll probably have the Pac-12 following suit because it seems as if teams and conferences that decided to once sit out due to COVID have now decided to come back as other teams are able to play and it seems as if they can have college football safely. And I, I say that with air quotes because we've seen some teams each week have to cancel games due to COVID-related spikes. But for the most part, it seems as if the college football season is going off without any sort of real problem. But again, we'll see as we get forward into September and then into the winter months what COVID does, you know, this this fall and winter season. So I'm not confident that we'll have football the entire season, but we've got it for now. So with that said, let's dive right in to my week three locks. This is a recap. So in the ACC, I had number 25 Pitt over Syracuse, and they got the victory 21 to 10. Pitt's defense had seven sacks and 13 tackle for losses uh, versus Syracuse. Pitt also forced two turnovers from the Syracuse offense. So Pittsburgh rolls on, and they had a great week against Syracuse. Their defense really stepped up, and so I get the victory in the ACC, Pitt over Syracuse. Another lock within the ACC, I had number 14, UCF versus Georgia Tech, and UCF gets the victory 49-21. to Quarterback Dylan Gabriel had 417 yards through the air with four touchdowns and one interception. The UCF ground game also added three touchdowns. So UCF, the national champions from 2017, looked impressive against Georgia Tech. I was watching the second half of this contest, and Georgia Tech's defense shut UCF out in the third quarter, and it was looking like they they may have had the opportunity to try to come back in that game. But then UCS offense was just too much as they laid 21 points on in the fourth quarter to hold on to the victory. So it was real close at halftime. It was it, the window and the door was open for Georgia Tech to maybe make a comeback. I am pleased with what I'm seeing from Georgia Tech right now. I mean, this is Jeff Collins' second season at Georgia Tech. Certainly a, a rebuilding in process and progress right now. But Georgia Tech... Defense was keeping the Yellow Jackets in the game, but then UCF was just proved to be too much for them in the fourth quarter. But keep your eyes on Georgia Tech. I'm not saying that they're going to upset a lot of teams, but I'm just saying keep your eyes on them. I'm really interested to see what they'll do this season. 
So I get the victory there in the ACC. Another ACC game that I had was Notre Dame over USF. And this was a blowout, folks. 52 to nothing at the hands of the Irish. Notre Dame racked up 281 yards of rushing offense with six total touchdowns on the ground. Quarterback Ian Book accounted for three of those touchdowns. And the leading rusher for the Irish this week is running back Sebo Flemister. And his name, that's a really unique name, Sebo. And I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. He racked up 127 yards on 13 carries with one touchdown. So Notre Dame continues to roll on. They play a very favorable schedule this season. Uh, They are now a member of the ACC for this season. So thus far, they've rolled through the, the schedule with no issue. So I'm really curious to see what they'll do the rest of the way. In the Big 12, my lock was OK State over Tulsa. OK State gets the victory 16-7, and it was not what I expected. I thought OK State would blow the brakes off of Tulsa, and it didn't prove to be the case. On the second half of this podcast, we'll get into more about what happened in this game, Oklahoma State versus Tulsa. But for now, I get the victory out of the Big 12. And then my only loss out of my Power 5 locks for Week 3 was Duke over BC. Duke lost this matchup 26-6, and it was a one-point game until the third quarter. If you can believe it or not, the score looks like a blowout, but it was it was close until uh, the third quarter when BC laid 16 points on Duke. BC's quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, went 17-23 for 23 for 300 yards and two touchdowns, but he did throw one interception. His favorite targets were receivers Zay Flowers and Hunter Long, who accounted for 255 yards of receiving offense for BC with two total touchdowns. So they had a touchdown apiece, those those two young men did. Duke, they had inconsistent play this entire game. BC's defense came up like gangbusters, and they forced five turnovers from Duke. And Duke's quarterback, Chase Bryce, he went 23 for 42 for 217 yards and two interceptions. So this one was pretty lopsided at the end there. I thought Duke would win it, but they blew it. And it not pretty, not a pretty game. So that was my only loss this week out of my Power Five locks. So I go four and one. Overall, I'm sitting at eight and two record, which is eighty percent accuracy. So these are straight up predictions. And so now what we're gonna do is I'm going to preview my week four locks for you right now on this episode. So in the ACC, I'm taking Notre Dame over Duke. The Fighting Irish have won. All five of the previous meetings with the Demon Deacons. Wake Forest was on the losing end of a shootout last weekend against my beloved NC State Wolfpack. Those two teams put up a combined 87 points in Week 3. 87 points. So Wake Forest might be a little tired. That might be a little rundown after that contest last weekend. But I'm taking Notre Dame over Wake Forest. In the Big 12, I'm going to take Baylor over Kansas. I think this game could get ugly, folks. Baylor has won 10 straight versus the Jayhawks. The Bears have averaged close to 580 yards of offense over the the 10-game win streak. So Baylor has the means to put up some numbers and put up some yards in this game against Kansas. Kansas, not really, I'm not feeling confident in Kansas and Les Miles this season after that ugly loss to Coastal Carolina in uh, week one of the season. But I think Baylor will beat the Jayhawks pretty handily this weekend. So that's my lock out of the Big 12. My second lock out of the Big 12 is Oklahoma over Kansas State. Do you remember 
2019 when Kansas State upset Oklahoma by a score of 48-41. to I know the Sooners haven't forgotten about that, and they definitely will be out for revenge this weekend. So I say it's a lock, but last year, Kansas State pulled off one of the biggest upsets to Oklahoma last season and, and in college football uh, overall last season. I mean, that was a huge upset. So again, that's going to be a really interesting matchup, but I think Oklahoma will take the victory this weekend. Then in the SEC, and it feels so good to say SEC, we have SEC football back, and Georgia, I think, will handle the Razorbacks. Georgia's last trip to Arkansas was played in Little Rock in 2014. Georgia has won five straight road openers, road openers, so I think they're going to handle Arkansas no problem. And then in the SEC, I'm taking Texas A&M over Vandy. Texas A&M is 2-0 versus Vanderbilt. So those are my locks for this weekend. I'm going to run those back for you one more time. In the ACC, Notre Dame over Wake Forest. In the Big 12, Baylor over Kansas. In the Big 12, Oklahoma over Kansas State. In the SEC, Georgia over Arkansas. And then in the SEC, A&M over Vandy. So those are my top five locks for this weekend. Book them, count them. Those will be five wins for me, five wins for you. And uh, we're going to be all set heading into the weekend. So right now I'm going to take a quick timeout. But after this break, we'll recap some of the games from week three action. And then I'll preview week four action this weekend. We've got the SEC playing again, which is going to be really exciting. And then I'll also talk about a few other college football related topics on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Sit tight. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> they don't do it That's like good. That. Okay, cool. So uh, who says what? So I'm We're saying... Podcast. You say that? So I'm saying five. Beth? Four. Three. Two. One. one. Hey there, I'm Dave. I'm Beth. And I'm Veronica. And we are the Happy Hour. We're a podcast dedicated to the most decorated NHL franchise of all time, the Montreal Canadiens. A casual listen by Habs fans for Habs fans. We have new episodes every week, so have a listen. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. So now I want to recap week three action. And there are a couple games that I want to talk about right now with you all. And of course, we got to start with number 17, Miami versus number 18, Louisville. This was an offensive slugfest, folks, if you got a chance to watch any of this game. These two offenses accounted for a total of 1,001 yards. Both quarterbacks, Miami's Derek King and Louisville's quarterback Malik Cunningham, threw for over 300 yards with three touchdowns apiece. Miami's running back Cameron Harris had 134 yards rushing on nine carries with one touchdown, including a 75-yard run. And Louisville's running back also had uh, had a good day. Javion Hawkins, he had 164 yards on 27 carries with one touchdowns. So this game, from an offensive standpoint, was pretty balanced through the air and on the ground. Miami and Louisville looked like two teams that 
certainly are prepared to handle the rock and handle business this season from an offensive standpoint. These two teams can put up points. They can put up the yards very quickly. So this, I knew it was going to be a, a tough matchup, but I thought all along that Miami had enough offensive firepower, new offensive coordinator this season and, and Rhett Lashley, but Miami looked really impressive. I think the biggest, the biggest disappointment in this game, aside from the penalties, were the fact that Louisville had three turnovers. So in a game as uh, balanced as this one offensively, turnovers are the equalizer. And and certainly anytime you're tossing the ball, turning the ball over three times, that's not that's not good. And so I think that was the difference maker in this game. Penalties, I, I previewed that or I teased it a few minutes ago. Miami had eleven penalties for eighty nine yards. Louisville had seven penalties for seventy yards. So I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not, I'm not a fan of any time you're uh, getting the refs to throw out the penalty flag. And for Miami, 11 times, I mean, that's good golly. That's a, that's a lot of penalties. And so that's something that they're going to have to fix. They're going to have to take better care of business playing the game because anytime you're getting penal- penalized like that, again, it's a neutralizer, it's an equalizer, and you're allowing your opponent to get in the game. And in, in the case of Louisville, the three turnovers were costly. And so Miami capitalized on those opportunities. Miami looked really impressive. If you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, you got to be pleased with this victory. This was a, a pretty, pretty big matchup. Louisville is a team that was second place in the Atlantic last season. They're a team that still has all the pieces in place. So for Miami to come in and, and get this victory, you got to be impressed with where the team is at right now. I don't think if this game was played a year ago, Miami would look as impressive as they did uh, this past weekend against Louisville. I think it would have been a, a mismatch. So the fact that Miami is able to go on the road and get the victory, that you got to be impressed with if you're a Hurricanes fan. So the future is looking good right now. 2-0 for Miami. And uh, they really can control their, their own destiny if they can continue to play ball like they did. Just cut down on those penalties and I think everything will be Gucci. But we'll see how the rest of the season progresses. And then another game that I want to talk about for different reasons. It wasn't a very pretty game at all. It was the number 11 OK State versus Tulsa matchup. OK State holds on to get the victory 16-7. to But it was an ugly, ugly game for OK State. Three different quarterbacks saw snaps for the Cowboys. Uh, starting quarterback Spencer Sanders, he left the game in the first half after sustaining a right ankle injury. No touchdowns were thrown by any of the three quarterbacks who entered the game. There was one interception thrown. If you look at it from an offensive standpoint, only 279 total yards for Oklahoma State, which is a significant drop-off for this team. In 2019, OK State put up over 453 yards of total offense last season. That's what they averaged. So 279 yards, certainly not something that we're used to seeing, that lack of offense. Running back Chuba Hubbard, you know him as a a beast of a running back. He led all rushers in FBS last season. He only had 93 yards rushing on 27 carries with one touchdown. Hubbard was limited to only 35 yards in the first half, if you can believe it or not. And his streak of 11 games of 100 yards rushing was snapped. Tulsa proved to be quite the the matchup for OK State this season. So I, I, you know, really surprised to see how close of a game it was really surprised to see how 
bad OK State looks looked in this game. Tulsa's defense had six sacks, 14 tackle for losses. They also had two forced turnovers. So Tulsa is going to be a team to look out for out of the American. The American is no joke this season. I'm telling you, there's some teams in that conference that are going to be balling. I mean, we've already seen what Cincy can do. UCF looked impressive. Tulsa might be up there as well. So, OK State got all that it could handle. But they, they were able to get the victory 16-7. to The penalties, like, like I just said, I don't like seeing penalties. Tulsa had 15 penalties for 120 yards. OK State had eight penalties for 68 yards. But anytime you, you, you're, you're committing those penalties, almost like turnovers, that's an equalizer, neutralizer of football. And so that you know, 120 yards that you're giving up in penalties, that's a no-no, and they're going to have to correct those issues if Tulsa wants to have a chance out of the American this season. But very, very ugly game. I'm hoping that OK State can turn it around. A number 11 OK State. I mean, that would have been a huge upset if Tulsa would have gotten it from their in-state rivals. So we'll see what OK State can do after after this matchup. But it was a very ugly game, very close. And it had me worried. Now, if we look ahead to week four action, I'm going to preview some of the games that you should be watching this weekend. So we'll start out of the SEC. We've got number 23, Kentucky versus number eight, Auburn. Auburn has won 17 out of the last 18 matchups versus Kentucky. But something about the way Kentucky's been playing, you know, these past few seasons has me really curious to see how this game will turn out. Then we have number six, LSU versus Mississippi State since 2000. LSU is 18-2 versus Mississippi State. I'm interested to see how this game goes without Joe Burrow. LSU is the the reigning national champion, so I'm, I'm really interested to see how they play this season. And on the other side of the, the ball for Mississippi State, Mike Leach. It's his first game as the Mississippi State head coach, so I'm curious to see what type of zany offense this dude can come up with for Mississippi State. But... I'm excited to have SEC football back. It feels like football is really back in the swing of things now that SEC that now that the SEC is back. And once the Big Ten comes back next month, you know it'll feel even better to have four of the five Power Five conferences represented. But again, we'll see what the Pac-12 decides to do. I'm, I'm not so sure that they'll sit out this entire fall season and wait to the spring now that the Big Ten has decided to come back. So only time will tell. Out of the Big 12, we've got number 8, Texas versus Texas Tech. During the last two meetings, Texas Tech gave up a combined 90 points to Texas. Sam Ellinger is looking like a G. I think Texas probably will roll big in this matchup, but we'll see uh, see how things play out. Then in the ACC, you've got to watch out for Miami, ranked number 12 versus Florida State. This is usually a great rivalry game, but I think Miami beats the brakes off of FSU this weekend. Miami has won the last three straight up straight matchups against the Knowles. And I think Florida State's head coach is still sick with COVID, right? So he probably won't be on the sidelines. But I, I think Miami rolls big in this matchup this season. And then uh, out of the American, you got to watch out for number 14, Cincy versus number 22, Army. I think that could be a really interesting game. These two teams are 2-0 and right now. Uh, they both average significant amount of points per game. Army averages close to 40 points per game. Cincinnati's been putting up an average of 55 points per game. Total yards, Army puts up 416.5 total yards per game. 
Cincinnati's offense is looking really impressive with 525 yards per game. So this could be a really fun matchup, Army versus Cincinnati. And so that kind of rounds out the teams and the games that I'll be watching this this upcoming weekend. But again, I think it should be a fun weekend of college football. You got the SEC back, so it almost feels like football is back, minus the COVID part. But uh, but yeah, those are the games for, for this weekend. In other news, I just want to talk about the Big Ten is coming back. Are you guys excited? The schedule was released last weekend, and the eight-game season begins on October 24th. The regular season will end on December 12th. Just taking a quick look at the schedule. Illinois plays a tough schedule. They're on the road at Wisconsin to open the season, but then they host Ohio State and Iowa, so I guess that's a good thing. They get them back-to-back, but that uh, that stuck out to me as pretty pretty tough when you play Wisconsin on the road to open the season. Camp Randall Stadium is never an easy place to play. And then you look at Iowa's schedule. They I think they play a tough schedule as well. They've got road contests at Minnesota, row those boats, and then Penn State back-to-back. In November, if you look over at Indiana, they play a really tough schedule. They are on the road at Michigan State, on the road at Ohio State. That's back-to-back. And then on December 5th, they play Wisconsin on the road. They open the season with Penn State at home. But, I mean, if you're looking at that schedule, that's not going to be easy. You got Penn State. Then you got Michigan in, on November 7th. Then followed by Michigan State. Ohio State, I mean, that's that's a tough, tough schedule. And then if we look at Maryland's schedule, they play at home to Minnesota on October 31st. Then they're on the road at Penn State. And then after that, they have Ohio State followed by Michigan State. And then they're on the road December 5th to Michigan. So just real quick, I mean, just taking a quick look, those, those aren't easy schedules this season. And so this is the second iteration of the schedule that the Big Ten has put out. They put out a schedule, what, several weeks ago for this season and before they decided to cancel all action. And now they've come back again with another schedule. So I think they're probably out of schedules. But it couldn't get any tougher if if you're either of those teams. Like I said, Illinois, Iowa plays a tough schedule. Uh, Just taking a look at Ohio State schedule because they're going to be out for blood this season. They host Nebraska, then they have Penn State on the road, followed by Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, and then they're on the road at Michigan State, and then they end the season on December 12th against Michigan. If you're looking at Ohio State schedule, I mean, they could run through that schedule pretty easily. I think the biggest challenge for them. Certainly will be October 31st on the road at Penn State. But, I mean, you could beat Nebraska. You're going to beat Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois. Like, I don't I don't really see many challenges on the on Ohio State's schedule. Penn State will be probably the toughest game they play this season. Michigan, I'm not necessarily buying into the hype this season. If, if you're a Michigan fan, sorry. But I think Ohio State is just on another level. They, they play on another level consistently. But you've heard a lot of Ohio State fans when the, this whole news broke that the Big Ten was not going to play this fall. Those fans were the loudest against not playing this season. And they had every right to be because this team on paper looks legit. So if you have a team like that, the expectations are high. 
you're thinking that you're going to get into the playoffs this season, that you're going to win the playoffs and bring another national championship to Columbus, Ohio. But I'm telling you, Ohio State, they they were upset when the conference decided to shut down this fall. And so I know they've got to be celebrating. They've got to be happy that they get college football back. And they have a team that could could run the tables this season. They have a team that is going to be legit with Justin Fields as quarterback. I think the sky's the limit for Ohio State. But again, that schedule is out online right now. If you go to the Big Ten's website, you can you can look at the complete schedule. And it should be interesting once the Big Ten comes back this season because to me, I grew up in Illinois, the Chicagoland area. Big Ten football is college football. So once Big Ten is playing, then it's really going to feel like college football is back. And certainly we don't have COVID under control. We don't have it under wraps or anything like that. But if they're able to play safely and the players aren't pushing to have any sort of union during this pandemic, I mean, then more power to them. I'm not going to tell them what they what they should do. I don't think they should play. But it seems as if college football is going to happen regardless of what I think and what I feel. So college football is out there for you to consume if you choose to do so. And so... Like I said, the Big Ten's coming back pretty soon. SEC is starting up this weekend, so it's feeling like college football is coming back in our lives like it, it normally does each season, waiting on what the Pac-12 will do. But again, only time will tell if they decide to come back or not. So that is the Big Ten schedule. And I did want to briefly talk about Deion Sanders, Neon Dion, announcing that he's going to coach at Jackson State. I want to read this article to you all. It comes from ESPN, and uh, this was released, I think, yesterday. Uh, It says, Jackson State announces Deion Sanders as its next head football coach. And I quote, Deion Sanders will be the next head football coach at Jackson State. He announced Sunday on his new podcast. And in that podcast, he said, God called me to Jackson State. Sanders said on the first episode of 21st, and Prime. Jackson State announced the hiring on Monday. Sanders, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame following a stellar NFL career during which he also played Major League Baseball, is a first-time head coach at the collegiate level. I quote, I am truly blessed to be the 21st head football coach of Jackson State University, Sanders said in the school statement on Monday. It is my desire to continue the story tradition and history of JSU and prayerfully bring more national recognition to the athletes, the university, the sonic boom of the South, and HBCUs in general, end quote. And then the athletic director, Ashley Robinson, had a quote, and I, and I quote, it's very big for Jackson State University. Not only for Jackson State University, this is very big for the country right now, very big for the state of Mississippi, to coach prime Jackson State University, a blue blood program full of Hall of Famers, it's just a great time, end quote. So pretty interesting move uh, that Deion Sanders is going to be the head coach at Jackson State. He's 53 years old. He's jumping into head, co- head coaching for the first time on this level, at least. And I'm pretty sure, was it this past summer? He was like, I'm going to be the head coach of Florida State, which seemed like a big mistake if you were Florida State, and I'm I'm glad that they didn't go down that route. But certainly have to give Deion Sanders a hats off for coming to coach college football and and finding that opportunity at Jackson State and HBCU. 
I think that's a big move right now. I mean, he's a guy that has a huge profile, a guy that has uh, football acumen that's off the charts. I mean, this dude was an athlete. This dude was the best at his position. And the fact that he's going to be a head coach to try to instill that wisdom to a you know younger generation could have done it at, at a D1 school. I'm not saying he could have done it at Florida State, but I'm sure he could have found an opportunity on, on, a, on an FBS level to do that. But the fact that he's going to be the head coach at HBCU, that's a pretty special feeling. That's pretty cool that he's trying to uh, impact college football players and the college football game on that level. And I'd be really curious to see if players decide to switch from FBS programs to go to Jackson State just to play with Prime. I mean, I'd be, I'd be interested. I'm not saying that that's something that will happen, but I'd be curious to see if he's able to recruit down there. So definitely a big move. Definitely something I wanted to just shout out on the podcast. But college football is, is certainly getting back up to speed. It doesn't look like what we're used to seeing, but you've got the SEC playing this weekend. ACC and the Big 12 have been playing good ball. And then also you've got the the Big 10 coming next month. So definitely will be an exciting time if you're a college football fan and there's going to be a lot to enjoy and a lot to watch. So we'll just see how the season progresses. Certainly you got to be careful with COVID and I'm hoping that schools and conferences are doing all the necessary steps to monitor and to trace and to make sure that their players are, are safe. But if they are able to do that, then why not enjoy college football while it's here? So with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for downloading this very special episode. It's my birthday today. And so today I'm 34 years old. I'm very blessed to be alive and I'm very thankful that I have this podcast and this uh, this opportunity to share my love of college football with you all. So I hope you enjoyed this show. And I, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Cherry underscore Pickin. But again, I, I just want to make sure you guys all stay safe. You're washing your hands. You wash your feet. Social distance. Wear your masks. And just uh, be careful out there. But with that, I want to sign off. I'm going to sign out. Thank you again for downloading the show. Hope you have a great week, and I hope you enjoy watching college football this Saturday. But until then, I will talk to you guys next time. Have a good one, y'all. Take care. Peace. Good golly. Just cut down on those penalties, and I think everything will be Gucci. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at Cherry underscore Pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.